That's how that's how I test my mic now. I just go bubbly, bubbly boo. I have the, I say the same phrase every time I say this is the level I'll be speaking at and it sounds like this and I get a little bit louder at the end to check that the, you know, the higher levels, the peaks yeah. are as hot as it might go. So I get a full spectrum. You do a little John Mulaney. And it sounds, sounds like this. Like this. I think my Mulaney was better than yours. Just oh, I wasn't doing good. Mulaney. I was just doing me again. Oh. Yeah. I should try being myself sometimes. Have you got ticks to Mulaney? No. You know, I um, I thought about Mulaney's and then I thought, I don't want to see a comedian at Rod Laver Arena. Not even Mulaney. It's going to take it. When's gonna... he going to fucking be back? When's your next chance I, to see him live? That's the thing. I don't, I don't want the screens with the, it's like the Kevin Hart shit. Like, I don't want that. I don't Well, if I don't you care. got there earlier, you could have had like a closer view. You wouldn't be seeing the screens. But I don't get there earlier. That's not what I do. That's true. I'm not a get there earlier kind of guy. I'm <laughs> That's a get very there, true. You know, get there when I get there kind of guy. On time, if not late. Now, having said that, when Louis C.K. tickets came out, I I got there so very quick, fast, <laughs> very quickly, um, and we have incredible seats. Um, and yeah, hopefully uh, we get a little uh, little sweat, you know. Yeah, being a, nice a for the pod. blood sample. Yeah, blood sample from the uh, the great man himself. Yep, though, though he's added a second show too. I'm sure he has. The second sure show, yes, tickets are flying. And off. do they sell the white hoods at the front counter, or is that something you have to? Like... <laughs> it's mostly BYO. But it's BYO. It's, it's assumed that you have them. You have them somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> there's a moment. Everyone will know yeah. the moment to put them on. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, it feels like it's been too long, mate. It's been give me like a cheers. five weeks. Cheers, clink. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, it has been too long. Now that's my bad. I took a little uh, took a little time off to to work on the old uh, the old work self. on yourself. Yeah. Um. Just you know, you're looking very look, sharp. Look, I got a haircut today. Yeah, it looks great. Um. Well, I'm not happy with it, but I won't get into it. Um, <laughs> Why? When has this podcast ever been, or hairdressing ever been off limits on this podcast? Well, that's the point. I don't want to. You, you don't want to be a, a. You know, you don't want to join the three time club. <laughs> One track pony, one trick pony. He just yeah one. Well, it could be track if he's you know. Yeah, well, I mean, most of the tracks I think for ponies are fairly similar. It's well, just like turn I mean, left very slowly. When you say um, you when you when you go to horse racing, you say going to go to the ponies. Uh huh. It's like an old school way of saying going gambling. Uh huh. And drinking, um. But yeah, no, he just he's a, this is a barber that I just go to all of all the time, and I think he was just a little bit distracted, and I said, "Give me the huge," uh-huh. um, and he was like, "Got it," and then I even said to him, "I don't expect you to remember like everyone's haircut," and he was like, "No, no, I, I mean, I remember your haircut." And I was like, "So wait, why did you say give me the huge if you also said I don't expect you to remember me?" Well, I said I was kind of like a self uh, credit, like self. What's the you were word? trying to be a little bit like self-deprecating? Oh, just give me yeah. the use because we both like, know that neither of us remember each other. Yeah, kind of yeah. playing on that a little bit, like yeah, as if you remember or everyone's haircut. Yeah, I mean, I've got very unique hair. Um, I've Texturally, um, uh, co- colorly, colorly, 
color lily um like in terms of color in terms of shade because i'm going gray i'm going I gray mean, but a lot of yeah i mean a lot of people i think have your hair color no is it no. are you talking about like the gradient like where it's gray and in what proportions well i think it's the gray and the beautiful luscious curls i think is i mean that's their words not mine okay right um so what did he do so he just went too much and then he didn't acknowledge it and obviously i didn't acknowledge what do you mean, it too much he took too much away yeah just, i think you look he, great i think you look sharp this is the best you look in years Thanks, but I just don't want to like. I don't want to be like you. Like I don't want to be like like have like a normal haircut. Like Look I want to have some edge. Yeah, I don't think you're any risk of coming close to this. But um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I'll it'll grow back probably. Who knows? Um, it might but, not. Maybe um, this is boy, it. boy, a lot. Yeah, so we took we took a little time off. I thought you were going to put up a post, by the way. Yeah, I was going to, and then I, it just like I was also busy, and I didn't get around to it. And I thought this is Michael's problem; he should fix it. I probably should have, but um, look, the phones were off the hook. Asking when when are when are the deep fort lads going to be back? Yeah. Um, and uh, I actually did dudes. get I actually did get one message asking when we were going to come back, uh-huh. uh, but that was it. And you so. told your mum, "Don't worry, we'll be back." I said, Mom, you can just call me anytime you want. We don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to just, don't have listen, to just to the listen to the podcast. She said, I just like it when you talk and I don't have to do anything. Um, <laughs> I said, that's the other, that's the inverse of what it's meant to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, lots to talk about. Um, you've moved into a new house. I've, yeah. mo- I've been away. Uh-huh. Where do we start? You got a haircut and I feel I like that topic isn't finished. So I suggest. 25 minutes of haircut chat just get it out of the way yeah and then right. whatever time we have left we start to talk about other things okay so but talk cut. to me about this gradient of hair color you really think this is different yeah man like i'm going super gray i've got like coarse hair but it's also like very um like circular. welcome to deep forward everybody oh it's so nice to be back i appreciate the patience and the enthusiasm from all of our fans including michael's mum this is a podcast we talk about the things that matter to us and not to anyone else sitting through the internet with me this week my friend mikey j mikey j what's the j stand for uh jew jesus Jesus. and i'm nick hey lovely to be here thanks for having me back old nicky blue eyes that's what they call me yeah and you have green eyes, am I right? Wrong. Yeah. I know that. And I will never tell. You'll never get me to tell you what colour my eyes are. You have pink eyes. No, I actually do. Actually, <laughs> I've got a sty in my eye right at the moment. Do you? <laughs> yeah, it's very tell. annoying. Yeah. Got to put a cream yeah. on. Have you ever had to put a cream in your eye, Michael? Oh, yeah. Well, can I tell you something? I had I'd a love milia. If you did. I had a milia. Do you know what a milia is? No. It's like a kind of like a cysty thing. It's like, it's not like a pimple, but it's like where a hair built like keratin like builds up and then skin grows over it. So it's oh. just like a white lump on your face. And I had it for like, like three or four months. On the outside just, of your face or in like yeah, the eye? Like right, you oh, get it right, right under, under your eye. Apparently right. babies get them all the time. Oh. But I had that for three or four months. And well, then that's said, a compliment Don't. for your skin quality. If you've got baby skin problems... I mean, I'd take it, man. Yeah, um, I've also got baby dick problems, but uh, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta take, you gotta take it all. Um, That's the BDE. BDE. Um, 
<laughs> Baby energy. <laughs> <laughs> um, it works. Anyway, grow it, and then I read up on it, um, and said don't pop it, and so I fucking popped it, and it just came out. Um, after three months though, okay, but um, it just it's really satisfying actually. You get this like really, th- like a uh, hard lump of white. Uh, I don't know what it's like. Shit, like a ball of white hard shit, and you just get to have it. And I've kept it it's over there. I was in that little jar. That's what that jar is. Oh, it's so nice. You built like a little shrine to yourself. Yeah, little little me shrine. Uh, put all my um, put all my boogers there, and you know. <laughs> okay, let's not go any further. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, if you at that time had sought a doctor out, they perhaps would have given you a cream or something, and that is a very disconcerting thing to apply, because you have to have your eye open, and so it's mm. like. You've got a nozzle and you have to keep your eye, like you're pinching your eyelids open because of course you don't want it to get like on the eyelashes or anything. You need to get it on the juby, you know, on the, on the eye itself. And so yeah. you like watching as you like squeeze shit into your like blurry out of focus, too close vision. Yeah. And it's a very, it's a very difficult thing to self-administer. Yeah. Is it, um, so you've, you've not gone to contact lenses at all. You just, no, you don't need to. No, my eyes aren't that bad. Like they're they're pretty um, they're pretty close to good. In fact, it is just that there is a slight. Um, basically, when my eyes get tired, they start to then become just a little bit um, out of focus. So having glasses which can adjust for that just makes it easier to be doing sort of longer days, particularly if you're staring at a screen for a long time, that sort of thing. Sure. So you basically just wake them up. Yeah, yeah, it hey. just it just when the muscles are tired, it just it it takes a little bit of the pressure off. Okay, um, but you got a sty? Yeah. yeah, yeah, some kind of some kind of like, yeah. I'll send you a photo later. It's gross. Yeah, please do. I can send it now. No, no, no. All good. I'll send it now. No, don't All worry. Good. I I hear you loud and clear. Let's check this Happy out. Happy to wait. Let's check it out right now. Texting oh, that through. Boy. Oh, here we go. It's come through. You don't. You, just be aware, you're seeing some goop. Fuck me, that sucks, dude. That really sucks to have seen that. I don't yeah. like it. Just delete it now. Oh. Super gross. <laughs> Super gross. That's my. Uh, that's going to be my contact image for you. If you check the chapter title, um, podcast listeners at home, you won't see it <laughs> because it's it's super gross. It's very gross. Uh, that's it looks painful as well as it was gross. really unpleasant actually it was like you would feel a constant pressure or something pushing into your eyeball oh i hate that yeah don't like that at all yeah um uh, is it gone now though yeah it's mostly healed up yeah cool so yeah. casey's you know, looking at you again yeah he was he just hid away <laughs> until the yeah. issue was resolved I understand that yeah so you've moved into a new house yeah i did tell I moved me house. everything or just the interesting bits. Okay, well, that narrows it quite a bit down. Um, yeah, so we, you might remember, I think we talked about in the podcast a few months ago, that my landlord had tried to kick us out with like three weeks' notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up finding a place uh, which worked out well. Um, we are paying a bit more for it, but it is now a three-bedroom house versus a two-bedroom, which means that I can have a, a study space, which is actually 
relatively pristine and, and easier to focus in. And all of KC's gardening shit is elsewhere and all of his uh, crafts shit is elsewhere. So we can sort of... Like, he's got a crafts room, basically, all for his own hobbies. He sounds like the uh, the quintessential stay-at-home mum right now. Gardening and arts and crafts. Yeah. I mean, he's got a whole bunch of hobbies, um, some of which are active and a lot of which are no longer active, uh, but he still has all the stuff of it. So, so he's got yeah, a hobbies well, room. A dead he's, hobbies he's got a base, he's, room. He's got a hobbies room, effectively, yeah. Hobbies graveyard. Yeah. Um, so that that's just made this office space a little bit nicer for me to work in, which is great. Um, it's a nice area. It's a new house. It's only four years old. So our old place had like sloping floors because it was a hundred year old cottage and a very tiny bathroom, which you had to literally duck to get under the um, the door frame and get in. So all that shit, you know, now we have a towel rack and, <laughs> and like lights, which are pleasant and, um, you know, and no leaks and no rats. It's, it's all very much an upgrade. Nice. Um, so that that's really yeah, it feels very much like home now, which is great. All our furniture fits in. It's got so much storage, which is awesome. Um, yeah. So so the end result was all good. The move was quite full on, as they always tend to be. Did you um, employ uh, moving? No, people? no. So we got, we'd asked to move. Actually, take one more step back. KC, in his new job, has a nine-day fortnight. So every second Friday, he gets off, which is excellent. Um, and so on the Saturday um, that we had the move-in date, that we were going to get the keys, we tried to book a van on that day. And it was like a, a tail lift, you know, so you can press a button and it lifts heavy things up into the van. And, you know, nine to five should be enough time to move all our heavy shit, do it in one day. And then you have the rest of the weekend to move your little shit and, you know, yeah. tidy up the old house and get out of there. Yeah. We went to this um, rental van place and they said, oh, we can't do that Saturday, but we can do the Friday. And we, because Casey has that day off, that actually worked out fine. So we said, yeah, we'll do the Friday. And they said, oh, um, it has to be nine to three that day instead of nine to five which is what we would have got on the Saturday. So they mm -hmm. shaved two hours off, but they charged just exactly the same. So oh. they were like, oh, you have it for less time, but it's the exact same amount of money. Um, but so you get I, a challenge. You get a challenge. It just adds a little bit more stress to the day. Yeah, nice. um, so I was like, well, why don't we just shop around and, and try and find a different place on the Saturday that does have a van? And Casey was like, no, nah, it'll be fine. We'll get it done in, in those, you know, nine to three. And of course, they always want to drop back like refueled and everything. And, and it takes half an hour to pick up on the day and all that kind of thing. So you really only have like five hours by the time you, you're done. Sure. So a fairly short amount of time. So we, we spend the week all packing, you know, boxes everywhere, filling up the house, ready to go on the Friday morning, get up very early, drive over to the place, go to pick up the van. And they walk around, they pull it out for us. You know, here's all the existing dents, you know, sign all these paperwork, blah, blah, blah. And I look at the thing and I go, there's no tail lift. Where's the tail lift? Didn't we book a van with a tail lift? And the woman says, mm, no, I don't think so. And she checks her papers, no tail lift at all. Um, and we definitely asked for one on the Saturday. When they'd asked for a tail lift van on a Saturday, they'd come back and said, oh, no, we can give you this van on the Friday. 
and they changed the van entirely. So they offered us a completely different thing. Mm. So then we were looking at this thing and being like, fuck, because we had to move not only all of our heavy furniture, but we were also picking up all the appliances that we needed for the new house that we didn't own. So we were picking up a brand new fridge and a washing machine in addition to all our heavy shit on the expectation we could then like wheel it into the van and lift it up with this lifting mechanism. And I'm looking at this van and they're like, the floor of the truck is a good meter off the ground. Like it's at chest height. And I'm thinking, how the fuck are we going to get a fridge into this van just with nothing? <laughs> and, and But it was like too far gone. It's like, well, we've booked everything. Today is moving day. This is the van we have. These are the days all the shit's available. It, we just have to do it. So then it was just like this crazy stressful move where not only were we moving all this heavy stuff. We were physically lifting all of it a meter up in the air, picking up all the like um, washing machine and everything, lifting it into the truck, lifting it out again. And we got the fridge. The fridge was too tall for the van. So we were, you know, you have to to travel. No, you meant to, they, they explicitly say never lie a fridge down when you buy it. Because, like, all the coolant in the things, like, redistributes and you can literally just fuck it up, like, even before you take it out of the box. But the guys in the warehouse were like, oh, yeah, we lie it down. Yeah, it's all good. Just lie it down. You'll be fine. Just make sure you leave it standing up again um, for as long as it was lying down and you'll be all right. And we're like, well, fuck, what what are we going to do? So we lay down this new fridge and I'm just thinking, fuck, I really don't want to have broken this fridge before we even get it into the house. But if they've told you that you can do that, then they've got some liability there. Sure. Yeah, it's just a headache, though, you know. Yeah. So anyhow, pick up all this stuff. We have this incredibly stressful, like, five hours of frantic packing, carrying all this shit, which just makes it even harder. And then get it all into the new place, race the van back. Um, stand the fridge up and we end up leaving it for like a full 24 hours because I'm terrified that if I like plug this in too soon, it's just going to explode. It's just going to actively <laughs> like shatter into pieces. Sure. Um, but yeah, so by about four o'clock, we finally stop and have lunch because of course we don't have the time in that intervening, you know, window when we've got the van for so little time to actually take a break. Yeah. And then... Uh, like the rest of the night is moving shit back and forward. The Saturday morning, we're gathering all of KC's like plants and things and transporting those over. And then I'm cleaning that house until midnight on the Saturday night because we're now nervous that this shitty landlord is going to be really picky and like vindictive for the fact that we didn't move out in three weeks and point to something on the wall and be like, that mark wasn't there. No bond, you know, not give us our bond back. So in the end, it wasn't a problem. We did get all our um, money back. We did get all moved in in the time. Our fridge does work. But it was just one of those ones where like every little thing just continued to mount up and make it more stressful than it needed to be. Yeah. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, fuck it. Next time I'm just going to get a removalist because I just don't want to deal with this shit. <laughs> it's like it's a stress that you don't need like it is like notoriously the most stressful thing you can do one of yeah and it's just like it is a lot of money to help you move and i guess like maybe you have some sort of sense of achievement after you've done it 
but like the just the intensity of that stress is just too much like I, i'm the same you yeah know, even even getting somebody on in to clean your your the the exiting houses yeah you know thing just like just get someone to do it who is yeah. just like just slug you 300 bucks and they'll just do it and it would just be peace of mind and it's out of your life and that's the thing right like it was i think 180 dollars for a van most of the quotes i saw for a removalist were like 350 like it's not even yeah. that radically different and then you you account for all of the energy time stress yeah. all of that shit plus the physical labor yeah. Like, it's a good thing that Casey and I are fairly fit individuals. Because otherwise, how the fuck are you going to lift up a washing machine and carry it around the place? It's, yeah. Yeah, well, luckily, you've Not both worth been it. doing your your squats. Doing our squats. Did you did you argue? Did you bicker? Did you have a fight? Give yeah, we were... You know, you're you. getting tense. You're getting snippy. There's pressure. And, of course, the other thing with the van is, like, you're driving this big fucking van. And it's, you know, like, bus steering wheel style, like, horizontal thing and it's like barely an automatic and like the insurance on it was so low that like the smallest scratch was going to be like a thousand dollar excess so you're like driving with all of your life's values and in my head i was thinking the same thing i was like michael dented that van and spent thousands oh yeah so yeah we were snippy but by the end of it it was fine it's just like it's stress right it's just such unnecessary stress yeah um are you all set in now yeah all settled it looks it looks real nice i'll I'll give you a little tour with some photos later but yes please um, yeah well, right now congrats. i want the only thing for you to focus on to be the disgusting picture of my eye i'm i'm only focusing on that for the next Perfect. 24 hours wonderful yeah um so yeah that that was a couple of weeks ago now and and it feels like home now. It feels very comfortable. I'm, I'm glad we made the move. I like the place we've gone to. It's more expensive, but we're getting more for our money, I think. So, yeah, it's quite it's quite comfortable. Yeah, it'll be nice for you guys to, to settle in for the next couple of months before, you before know, your landlord eviction. tells you <laughs> that you need to move on. And um, and that's nice. Like yeah. You can build up a, a kind of a portfolio of rental yeah. properties. So that was my um, my my house move shit you were in the meantime having a much more fun time on holiday yeah i went on i went on holiday i went with lauren to the sunshine coast um and spent you know roughly a week up there which is really nice had a had a couple of incident instance in what's incidents instances that were um pretty fun you know it's it's it wasn't a um it wasn't necessarily that sunny. Like we were going there to escape the Melbourne winter. Got got up there. It was like you know eighteen to twenty one degrees. Okay. But you know we were we were out there on the beach every morning. Um, Have you been Sunshine Coast before? Is this new? Is this your preferred haunt? Uh, no. So I had been there. Uh, so a lot of my mum's family live up there. So I had oh. been there just after high school with her, with my mum. And then my parents actually just bought a place up there, so um, oh. off my grandma. So we had a place to stay in Yurumba, um, uh, which is kind of near Noosa and kind of near. Nah, who cares? But yeah, it was it was nice to like wear shorts and sandals. Yeah, for most of it. Um, so you were you didn't have accommodation costs. You were staying staying in a family home. 
Yes, sir. No That's accommodation nice. costs. Yeah, it was good. It was a nice little home too. Um, but it, flying up there. So a couple of things from the plane ride that I thought I'd tell you about. On the plane ride up there, uh, a pilot comes on before we before we uh, take off. And he goes, uh, hello, uh, passengers. I don't know what he says, passengers. What do pilots say? And he says, hey. Um, hello, sheeple. <laughs> hello, people about to plummet to their death. I mean, what? Um, he says, uh, this is your captain, Robbo, speaking. <laughs> oh, no. Robbo. No. How unnerving is that? No, I don't like that at all. I hated that. No. I, said to, I said to Laura, I was like, are you you know, freaked out by that. She's like, that's, that's nothing. I'm like, a pilot's that's, name should not be Robbo. No, that's at best a helicopter pilot. At best. 100%. 100%. I would take a bus driver for Robbo. Still yep. would be a little bit like, okay. Yep. But if I got a pilot. An, if I got an Uber with Robbo, I'd still have second thoughts. 100%, Nick. Thank you for backing me up on this. And also just change your name to Robert. If you yeah, want to go by there. Robbo, I it's don't want right you there. to tell me your nickname. No. Hey, this is your captain. Uh... I will I will allow a Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I'll like I'll I'll approve uh I'm Captain Robert Robbo Johnson. Sure. If it's in if it's, context. If it's if it's in context and if we get the comfort of that sandwich of normalcy either side. Yeah, this is this is your captain uh Bluey, bluey num nuts. Like, I don't want what your mates call you. Just call me by your Christian name. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, we uh, we made it safely. But then get this. Okay, was, hold on. Uh, Virgin? Who was this? Jetstar. This is Verge. Verge. Okay. Virgino. Yeah, I, I mean, that does fit my... If Why? I was to guess where a robo would be, I would think it was in Virgin. I would have guessed uh, Tiger. Which is now R.I.P. Yeah, I could also see tight. Yeah. 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 But anyway. I think that Virgin has that, like, that attitude of, like, ah, no worries, mate. Like, don't worry about it. It's fine. I like Virgin. I, I like their, I'm just I like talking about they their present brand, themselves. right? Like, their, their, yeah. their presentation yeah. is, like, sure. don't worry, their mate. Sh- their aesthetic is yeah. cool. It's, like, it's stemming from Richard Branson. Totes. Like, he's kind of got that, like, cool yeah. guy kind of. Hey, I used, I, I'd smoke a joint Call with me you, Ricky you know, Branson at the right time. I'm happy-go-lucky and laid back. Yeah, well, he's Richard. I mean, Ricky. I mean, he, he should be a Ricky, really. He should be a Ricky. Ricky Branson, that's got a ring to it. Um, and he's been to space. Yeah. Allegedly, yeah. that's what they say. Well, don't ask Neil deGrasse, the <laughs> Rock Tyson. Yeah. Um, but then get this. I think Nick. DeGrasse is in quotes. It's Neil yeah. DeGrasse. DeGrasse. <laughs> it's DeGrasse. It's, <laughs> he's, his, his, it's, his former rap career, he was DeGrasse. I get it. I get it. Yeah. As in the grass. I get it. Yeah, as no, in the grass. I, I said. Yeah, as in no, DeGrasse is, is always greener. greener. Yeah. No, yeah. I did say that. Yeah. Um, so on the way back. So I had a lovely time. Blah, blah, blah. Um, on the way back. Um, I, I switched seats. So I got the, win- I bought the window seat and then I had the window seat on the way there. And then, you know, I said to Lauren, did do you want to take the window seat? And she immediately took me up on it. And I was like, okay. Wow. Chivalry's not dead. Bit annoyed. Bit annoyed. Okay. But so all Chivalry good. is still dead. Yep. 
So I took the middle seat. We actually did this thing, which didn't actually pay off in this instance, but did on the way there, where we bought tickets uh, on the A and the C. Gotcha. Left the middle, so we were hoping that people didn't want the middle and we would get all three seats. Yeah. It worked on the way up, did not work on the way back. So I was in the middle seat on the way back, and then I had some, like, 50-year-old... Wait, how are you in the... Uh, you said it didn't work on the way back. How are you in the middle? Uh, oh, so there was a guy sitting in the C seat uh, when we aborted the plane, so he just took that seat. Wow. Yeah, I know. Chaos. Yeah, I'm pandemonium. Um, and so I took the middle seat and then, you know, just like a normal looking guy, the kind of guy you want sitting next to you if you're on the middle seat, you know? What does that mean? Like skinny and, and uh, short-legged? No, white. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Um, but and so he's, it just looks like he keeps to himself is what I mean. Um, and then the flight attendant comes over before we take off and says... Uh, I'm going to, hey, sir, I'm going to need you to switch with the guy sitting next to me because there's a mother with a baby and we don't have uh, enough oxygen masks on this side of the plane. I'm like, okay. Wait, what? We don't have enough oxygen masks? That's what she said. It was weird. They don't have enough. So presumably they need four oxygen masks for three seats at least for the baby. baby. I don't know. Didn't ask any questions. Confusing. Um, so they switch seats. And look, I'm not one of these guys that like gets all riled up or, or like complains about having a, a baby on the plane. You know, it's all good. I'm very sympathetic to mothers in that situation and parents who are in that situation. And they, you know, are probably very aware that people are like, oh, fucking baby on a plane. Yeah. And you know? the kids are too young to understand how a plane's wings are shaped to create a form of lift which suspends them in the air. They're thinking, how does this thing flying? Exactly. They're, they're, I mean, they're too young to know. These are the, I mean, I'm asking those questions to the flight attendants. <laughs> <laughs> how are we in the air? Um, so she sits next to me and then immediately she says, have you had a drink? And I'm... So, had had sorry, it. just for my clarity. Lauren's still in the window. You in the middle... Nice white guy on the on seat C was removed and they brought yeah. in a woman with a child. Correct. Okay. Now, she's, like, pretty chatty. Um, and she says, have you had a drink? And I said, oh, I had, we had had a beer at the airport where we were waiting. And I said, why can you smell it? Because I have no, I don't know what her angle was. Yeah. And she said, no, because of the baby. So she was already on the what? defensive. What does she's that already, mean? Well, she mean I think she means like uh, the baby's you know, not going to be the si- baby's going to cry. Your so you're gonna, well, you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> if I played my cards right, wouldn't it be great <laughs> if like one of those things, like the baby, like the mum's all stressed and the baby's just not going to sleep and she's rocking and it's like no, 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 no what do you want? What do you want? And you just yeah. go, let me. And you I got this. Lift up your shirt and you just straight <laughs> in with the teat and. Puts it right I to got, sleep. And then I'm the hero. And then you're the hero. Then I'm the hero. Um, has to deal with nipple hairs for the first time, which is fine. <laughs> hey, better to learn soon. Um, yeah, so she, so I said, yeah, um, why can you smell it? And she says, no, because the, the baby. So I was defensive and she was defensive. But what does that mean? 
she doesn't, she just doesn't want a drunk person next to her or she's like the baby can sense alcohol. Like no, what is she I, concerned I, about? I think it was more like, have you had a drink to be able to cope with a baby potentially crying on the plane? Oh, I mean, that's how I interpret That's a weird, it. oh, I don't is know. Is that weird? Yeah. I don't think that that's, well, you were there. That was not how I would have interpreted that question. Well, I said, um, was it sort of said, can jokingly? you smell it? Yeah. She had that kind of, she was a bit okay. quirky. Okay. Maybe a bit country, a bit quirky. Okay. She looked like she had a drink, to be honest. She was from Actually, Queensland then. Actually, she did have a drink on the plane. Okay. She, the, the flight attendant gave her a beer because she told me. She was okay. like, the flight attendant just gave me, a, comp me a beer. What is happening on this flight? That's so weird. This is what happened when Robbo's not in the charge. <laughs> That's the problem. This is why we needed Robbo back. The flight attendant comped the woman with a baby a free beer. Yeah, because she was like stressed and I don't know, had a baby. Just have a beer. Okay. The right. flight attendants were very accommodating to this woman. Yeah. Let me tell you. Okay. Um, Maybe so anyway. it's Robbo's daughter. Maybe there's like some nepotism kind of shit going on. Potential. Anyway, th- this woman's very chatty. She's like, she's telling me that she's, she's asking me for dinner spots in Melbourne. Um, she tells me that she's had like, the worst couple of months of her life and you know she's just going to melbourne for a you know a getaway so you know it's you know she wants she wants to chat um and i'm i'm, I'm friendly as shit you know i'm playing with the baby i'm doing little peekaboos and everything you know i'm getting my nip what's out. lauren thinking and doing in this moment She's watching RuPaul's Drag Race the whole time with <laughs> noise cancelling headphones uh, don't think she even knew there was a baby there um uh, anyway so 20 minutes before we land, the baby starts doing this little hiccupy thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's, 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 I don't want you to jump ahead, but you're gonna. Uh-huh. It's drinking milk the uh-huh. whole trip. What I would describe is probably an excessive amount of milk. I don't know how are we talking babies... bottle or are we talking breast? We're... Not breast. Okay. It could be breast put In into a the bottle. Yeah. Don't know. Probably. I didn't. I didn't taste it. She wouldn't let me. Um, and drinking milk the whole time. 20 minutes before we land, uh, starts doing this hiccupy thing, starts doing this cough thing. And she's, I'm looking at it. I've got my headphones in. I've put, I switched it to pause and hear through on uh-huh. so that I look like I'm minding my own business, but I'm actually being very nosy. Yeah, that's that um, setting you turn it to. Hear through on. Hear through on. Um. So she starts, she's given me like a, the mum's giving me like a nod, like, don't worry, it's all good. This happens all the time. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm like a cool guy who's just going back home. Don't worry about it. You're just like quintessential middle cheat, mid, middle seat champion. You know, you're just 100%. like living your life, man. But that is seriously the persona that I wanted to project. I wanted to, you know, I wanted her to be like, don't. I wanted her to think like, this is not a guy that's going to get angry uh-huh. or frustrated about a baby. Uh-huh. That's the vibes that I was putting out. Here's, here's an important question though, right? Middle seat traditionally, you know, window gets the wall. You can lean up against it. Aisle gets a leg room. You can stick a leg out. Middle seat gets both middle armrests. Here's my question. you got a woman with a baby next to you. Are you still claiming both armrests or did you let her have that one as well? I let her have it. I, I kept my hands wow. to myself. Wow. 
Yeah. I mean, I was masturbating the whole time because I had a baby next to me. What else do you need? um, I don't need that much arm arm room. I don't need that much wingspan for that. You know, it's very narrow (laughs) with the technique that I'm using. (laughs) Anyway, so the baby starts hiccuping, starts doing this gargly thing, get the look saying, don't worry about it, all good. Five minutes go by, starts to cough, starts Mm -hmm. to, the cough starts sounding a little bit thicker. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you guessed it, Nikki. Poltergeist style <laughs> projectile vomiting <laughs> into the front seat, <laughs> rico- ricocheting straight onto your boy over here, oh, straight man. into my face. Oh, and it just oh. keeps coming. It keeps <laughs> oh, no. coming. Keeps going. It then it stops for a little bit. Uh-huh. After I'm like, I can, you can smell it. It smells, you know what it smells like? It smells like milk that's been regurgitated by a baby. <laughs> that's what I would have thought. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it smells like. Uh, stops for a minute. The baby looks at me. And by the way, we've been making eyes at it. E- that's probably a wrong way to say it. But we have been like looking at each <laughs> Engaging. other. Uh, you know, throughout the whole flight. It, look, it stops to look at me as if to say, what the hell are you looking at? Yeah. Um. Completely oblivious to the chaos that is it's know, hurtling itself out of its body. Yeah. Uh, or the effect that, that it's having. having. Um, stops for a minute and then looks down towards my, my leg and towards my seat and goes again. Ugh. And just like vomit onto my leg, just running down into my sock and Ugh. into my shoe. Oh. And I just stood there and I s- uh, sat there and just, you know, I just took it. Yeah. I just took it like a good little boy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I came just as much, yeah. just like projectile. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I left that. And here's the other thing. This what is, was the this- mother's reaction? So... I think that she was so embarrassed that she couldn't really bring herself to actually apologize. Yeah. But what she did do is say, she did, she said something like, well, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> I mean, that's a good first call. Well, what could you do? I yeah. mean, your baby's just like fucked up someone's entire you know. day. Yeah. Um, She did say like, I think you'd make a good dad, like based like what? based on how you reacted, which was no reaction, which was dead inside, which is how I react to any <laughs> to stressful everything. situation. Yeah, uh, in which the is full just context, to... that might actually be disqualifying in terms of dadship. But yeah, in this moment, paid off. Yeah, I just go completely numb and just stare <laughs> ahead of myself. <laughs> um, Lauren still completely unscathed. Oh, she's she's singing along, yeah. you know. She's she's clapping her hands, congratulations, RuPaul's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. I think she was too embarrassed to actually uh, say anything to me, the mother. But um, you know, there was some acknowledgement there of of what had happened. And so and this the is effect. in descent. Twenty minutes before we landed. So you can't go up to the bathroom. You can't rinse yourself off. You can't do anything. You're just sat with it on you. No, dude, I, I, I just squelched on out of that airport. I had, I was literally, oh, my sock my was squelching as I walked through the terminal. And it's a long terminal, that Melbourne terminal. Yeah. Um, you didn't and, stop at a bathroom? Yeah. I thought, you know, 
I'll just get home and have a shower. And you, so how did you get myself. home though? Did you get in an Uber? No, my brother was picking me up and okay. did not tell him about that before he yes. picked us up. Just let him realize, you know, as he was driving us home. But here's the other thing that annoyed me almost more than the, um, the baby spewing. And by the way, I wasn't really that annoyed by the yeah, baby spewing. Well, I do have to say, number one, you should have got a free beer from the uh, flight attendants for 100%. that. 100%. Yeah, exactly. Well, the baby should have got a free beer. Or maybe yeah. he was having too many beers. That could have yeah. been the problem. Uh, the other thing that annoyed me was that, like, as I said, she was like, the mother was a bit, a bit of a chatty Cathy. But she, at one point, we, we we had brought some snacks. We had brought some, like, brought some, like, in, in, like chips uh, and some, like, chocolate and something else. I don't know. And at one point, the mum was like, we, like, opened... We like had our snacks, put them away, had finished them. And then at one point the mum was like, um, the baby was looking over at us or looking over at something that we were eating. And she was like talking to the baby, but talking to us. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh yeah, they've got all the snacks they've got. And then she started listing like the specific uh, snacks that we're having, like the brand and the flavor. She was like, oh, yo, they've got all the snacks, don't they? Yes. They've got the Whitaker's coconut chocolate and the, you know, uh, fried chicken. And, and I was like, mind your own business. Don't look at my snacks. That is <laughs> so that worse was where, than like, baby spew on me. That was don't where she look at my snacks. Yeah. I hated that so much. You, like, you needed... when, like she's naming the specific brand. Like that means you're really looking. That means you know. That means you want it. And we, I offered her some and she said no. But it was creepy. I mean, if you offered it to her, you put it in her eye line. That's kind of self-inflicted, isn't it? It's not in her eye line. You know where your eye line is on a plane? It, directly in front of you. Yeah, That's unless someone next to you says, would you like a McCain's corn kernel? I said that. Mm. Plain, <laughs> Yummy. Yeah, plain food. Good, good plan. Just a corn on a Fro- cob. Frozen corn, yeah. Do you want a bite of this? It's still frozen. <laughs> um, no, but I d- offered her that after she said that. I'm not, I didn't I'll just offer it to her. Yeah. Anyway, that was my plane saga. That sounds like a horrible, horrible flight. I'm sorry. Luckily, dude, I'm just a happy-go-lucky guy. I don't let anything affect me. I let, I'm very transient in that That's- way. Yeah, I breeze through life. Yeah, I mean, it probably helps you have a podcast where you can vent some of this stuff later and and release those uh, feelings as stories. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. As soon as soon as a baby spews on you and you have a podcast, you think, well, Fuck this yeah. sucks. But also, this is the best day of now my I have life. Something to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, good trip. Mm. It was a good trip. It was a good trip. Mm. Man, I've had a um, a fairly full-on couple of weeks of work, um, which has been the video game stuff that's come back into it. Mm. Um, so I just wanted to give a quick shout-out uh, because uh, Frogwares, the company that I have now done two video games with prior and I'm working on a third with, um, they are a Ukrainian-based studio. We've talked previously how they are actively still working in this war zone. Um, it is kind of remarkable, their resilience and their, um, dedication to not letting an invasion and an insane person in Putin disrupt their livelihoods and their passions. Um, 
and they have launched a Kickstarter for the final funds of this game, um, predominantly because of the uncertainty of the war. Um, they've never needed to kickstart things before. They're an independent studio with, you know, 20 years worth of history. Um, but uh, because they have been paying for their employees to relocate, because there are constant interruptions to their uh, workflows and their, you know, office setups and all kinds of things, there have been additional costs. So they've launched a Kickstarter. Uh, as of the day of this recording, there are three days left on it. They've already hit their target, but I would really love to give it one more plug while there's still a chance to get out there. And if you have any spare dollars floating around, um, look for the Sherlock Holmes, The Awakened Frogwares Kickstarter. Um, it's uh, going to be linked in this chapter title because um, they deserve support and the chance to finish what they've started. Yeah, great cause. Uh, I'm going to single out to Dan Pekevsky here because I think he's, I don't think our listeners have money um, for one thing, but I think Dan does and uh, he's also into gaming. So Dan, uh, you've been personally uh, targeted uh, for this. Yeah, I mean, Michael, correct me if I'm wrong, you're Ukrainian, right? It depends which Uber I'm in. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. okay. So, the, you know, depending on which Uber you're in, you might have a... I oscillate between Sri Lankan and, and uh, Ukrainian. Okay, right. Well, something to think about there. Yeah. Um, yeah yes, uh, I have been very busy working on uh, proofreading and writing for that game. I think it's going to be really good. It's constantly impressive to me, their resilience and the work that they're putting together in the craziest most fucked up of circumstances so um yeah sherlock holmes the awakened some kickstarter a couple of days left um throw a dollar or two to it if you want a copy of the game and to support a good cause oh is it just a dollar or two yeah you can put whatever you want in oh, i'll do a dollar yeah there if it if it saves ukraine yeah that's what i'm promising yep done yeah maybe we'll just bullshit for a bit longer and then do a wreck engine to wrap up doesn't sure. necessarily have to be too long tonight, does it? No. Um, <clears throat> so how are you? Um, yeah, so i um, been having a lot of anxiety lately. Really? Yeah, um, which I'm not necessarily uh, like accustomed to. And it's not, it's not like acute anxiety, I would say. It's like the type of, you know, anxiety that kind of just wakes you up at 4am and then you can't get back to sleep. Oh, it's yeah. like, it's like, um, it's like you wake up and your brain has held a meeting without you mm -hmm. and then you, you, you wake up and it's like nice of you to join us. Like it feels like that. And That's then it just takes you That's an incredibly specific, incredibly accurate description that I haven't heard before. That's very good. Yeah, it's uh, it's, and then it just you know it takes you through all of the all the things. Here's that here's about. the agenda of all of our concerns. Yeah. Point one, and it feels like you're, you're you're catching up, but it's um, it's it's come at a weird time because like I've I'm I'm incredibly happy at the same time. Like I've I've had a really great year, you know, professionally. Uh, I've met someone amazing and you know it, it, things are going well and at the same time i'm like fate i'm like dealing with this anxiety which is not i'm not i don't want to i don't want to say that i'm like 
suffering from anxiety because I don't think that it's not debilitating in any regard, but it's just like, you know, waking up with, with worries about, um, you know, it really is just worries about the future. Um, and it's worries about like the unknown, but reflecting on it over the last you know, couple of weeks, it's, I feel like, and I, I don't know, I know you've suffered from some anxiety in the past, I feel like the when I have felt more acute anxiety, it's come at periods in my life of uh, growth and change. And I'm reading this book, and it will be a, it'll be a, going to be a wreck on here. But I'm reading this book by Jimmy Carr, and he's he's kind of talks a lot about anxiety and how anxiety can be like a good thing or a sign that you're you know coming up to periods of growth or change and. Uh, maybe it means that you're, you're valuing certain things. And so I'm trying to like get into that mindset of, mm. of how can, how can I harness, you know, this anxious as energy a positive force yeah. as a positive force. And it's kind of like, you know, uh, he talks about, you know, when he gets on stage, you know, he has like a nervous, anxious feeling. Um, but it doesn't mean that that's bad. It means that, you know, he valued, he wants to make the audience laugh and that's, that's a healthy type of fear. So I'm just trying to like find that line between not letting it ruin a, my, my sleep, which is the thing that is probably the worst, you know, effect of it. And also feeds into producing more anxiety when you're, you know, more sleep tired. Yeah. Uh, And just trying to um, reflect on like what, what it, where it's coming from, uh, and and what it means and how it can possibly be used for good. Mm. Yeah. Well, my first reaction when you said I'm having anxiety at the moment, but I'm having a great year, is was trying well seeing conceptually if there could be a connection between that, and it it, it doesn't seem impossible to me that if you are suddenly in a good place, but you had times where you weren't as happy or weren't as satisfied or weren't as professionally successful that it would then come with this fear of like well when's this going to fall apart what's the problem where's it going to go you know and I, I could sort of see how easily it would be for that thought process to kick off when you're doing well I think you're totally right like that's a thought that I, I've had as well it's like you want to protect the things in a way that you um you know, have now. And so there's like this like protection kind of so defense how, how do I not lose this, you know? Um, but I mean, that that's being in protection mode is nowhere to live your life, you know? So you have to find a way to move past that. And, and almost, almost part of it, I think maybe is um, coming to terms with the fact that you might lose it or like not, not necessarily that you will lose it, but being able to let go to the point where you say, okay, well, this is just, it's about zooming out, I guess. This is, you know, a good period where I have, you know, this success here and this success there. Um, maybe they won't be there um, in the future, but, you know, you just kind of have to ride the wave. Yeah, I survived without thing X or thing Y in the past, and I can do so again if it happens, you know keeping that sense of optimism or resilience about it. Um, yeah. But it's tricky. The, the the middle of the night stuff is always so shit. Like I I still to these days have, you know, night 
shifts where the the brain's just racing and you're just thinking of things and either you can't get to sleep or you wake up and then you're sitting there at 2 a.m. and you just can't get the brain back to sleep yeah. mode. Um, so, yeah, I totally empathize. empathize. It's, it sucks, that, that kind of interruption. Um, I've been I've been using a little trick um, that Lauren taught me, actually, um, and it was just like putting on a podcast. I know it's not like a groundbreaking trick, but, like, it has helped when you go through those periods where you feel like you can't fall back to sleep because your mind is racing just to focus on another conversation. Anything else, yeah. Um, That's one of those um, meditation techniques as well. Like uh, the Headspace app has a, a nighttime SOS section where it's like seven or something different SOS things. And one is like pain at night. And one of them is, um, you know, racing mind. And one of them is work stress. And one of them is that. And and I think the, the racing mind technique is basically the same thing where it's like, you got to get your brain focused on something else that isn't whatever else you're thinking about. And the suggestion that it gives you is counting back down from a thousand and just like start at a thousand and just start counting backwards until you, you go. And it's so small and so repetitive and so insignificant, you wouldn't think it works. But any sort of process that is not just spiraling in that head head space of whatever it is you're worrying about is enough to then just let the brain start to let go. Do you feel like those, with those techniques and like the canning sheep or the breathing that you can split your brain so that you it's kind of like reading a book, like you can be reading a book and you are reading, but you're also just thinking Something in your head. So yeah, I don't true. feel like it's it, it it distracts the brain enough. Like I can yeah. count I, backwards I can see, from 10 yeah, and then I'm done. Yeah, I can see the need sometimes for it to be a podcast or, or something of a bit more significance. Yeah, a bit more engrossing. But yeah, it's like I, I also the other thing is I don't want to like – anxiety is a bit of a buzzword at the moment. Um, like yes. everyone's well I feel like everyone says that they've got anxiety and everyone does have anxiety like it's become more maybe buzzwords the wrong term it's just become the consciousness more of prevalent. it has been erased yeah yeah um, so and I don't like it when people use those words so frivolous, frivolously like maybe it's maybe it's fine but like I think people use it as a well I you know you know I'm anxious or I have anxiety about this thing and I, I'm I don't want to like clump myself in with, you know, people who actually suffer deeply from anxiety if I'm just going through an anxious period. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. One, I would think, I guess, that the concept of anxiety predates a medical definition for anxiety. So it was probably linguistically fine to use in that context anyway. And two, I guess... I don't think that anxiety is only at level 10. Um, there's a spectrum of, <laughs> you know, how people experience it. So if you're having an anxiety anxiety kind of month where you're waking up in the middle of the night, I think that's still probably on the scale. And I don't think anyone else who suffers from it is going to be like, you can't call it that. You can only call it that if you're having panic attacks at work. And that's when you go, um... Well, I did have a panic attack at work. Exactly. Um, yeah, I guess it's like more, it's not like necessarily how people might view it. It's more how I want to identify myself. Sure. Which probably comes back to, um, you know, ego or coping mechanisms, masculinity yeah. views or something like that. Yeah, I just can't imagine like my, my grandfather who went 
who was kidnapped by the Russian army in the 30s and was made to fight for, you know, a, a team that he hated, uh, saying, you know, I'm a bit anxious about doing all this, you know? Yeah, but, uh, well, I mean, there's so many things to unpack there. But um, one, just because they didn't have the language for it didn't mean they weren't suffering it. The whole PTSD thing where, you know, people came back from Nam with all these fucked up experiences but didn't have the vocabulary or the medical yeah, terminology true. to explore it. You know, it, it was very much a thing that was affecting people, <laughs> even if there wasn't a awareness or self-awareness about it. Um, yeah, fair enough. But then, yeah. That part of that is definitely, I suppose, still a a uh, self-image thing. If you have a fear that it's like, well, you know, this isn't important enough to be declared a problem because other people have had worse problems. Well, yeah, everyone's, there's always someone who's had it worse than you. Um, but that doesn't mean necessarily that <laughs> you need to pretend that it's easy. Yeah, that's, that's a, probably a good point. But yeah. Anyway, I'll um, get a, I'll do some yoga or something. Mm. Well, I'm sorry it's been difficult. I hope it doesn't stick around. Um, it, you know, what? it's it's actually it's not bad. It's like it's fine. Like you're I, doing I'm, it again. You're doing it right now. No, but I'm being serious. Like it's very manageable. It's just like a thing. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe a good uh, podcast or a good headspace medication meditation or something will. Um, be enough of a, a treatment to sort of see you through whatever it is that's brought it on. I do feel like there's a bit of a um, sort of a post-pandemic hangover, like a mental health hangover sort of cropping up around now. I feel like a lot of people are struggling at the moment and I wonder how much of that is due to this sort of compartmentalized stresses of the past few years, which now that world is sort of, sort of back to normal-ish, it's now coming out in strange ways for a lot of people. Totally. Like you, you speak to people about the pandemic now and I don't know what it's like over there, but over here it's like people don't even want to think about it. People don't want to wear masks because it's, Someone's speaking Italian in my house. People don't want to wear masks. People don't want to, you know, even think about that at all because people have blocked it out. Like it is like it it is interesting to view the kind of larger societal psychological impact of COVID. And we probably won't know for, you know, five, ten years, if not more, what the actual impact of that has been. But you already get the sense that people, it was like a, a, people are receiving the pandemic or did receive the pandemic as trauma to some degree in their brain totally. and have compartmentalized it as such. And I'm like almost blacking it out. Like even if I think about the pandemic now, I'm just like, wait, what happened? Yeah, it's like, like it a collective delusion effect. or like agreement, like this, this societal pretense where if no one talks about it, then it's not real kind of thing. Yeah. Which is very clearly just a coping mechanism, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, Are you over your COVID symptoms, by the way? Yeah, pretty much. I still take a puffer every day just to um, prevent any sort of coughing and give enough, uh, give the lungs a little bit of uh, a boost. Um, mm -hmm. But I haven't stopped the puffer 
to see what my current status is, but I feel like I'd be pretty confident in saying that I, I'm not coughing um, okay. without it. Um, cool. Like, there's no harm in taking it. But yeah, so that that that's pretty good. I do feel like myself. Good. Um, uh, and it looks like the wave here is actually just finishing. So uh, uh, a bunch of my friends here just got it in the past oh, really? month, like right at the very, very end of it. Um, but all, all recovered. Sean got it. Sean and his wife got it. Um, Wait, Sean's and... married? Yeah. Oof. Okay. He's been married for years. Has he? He was married age 12. It was a conscription sort of thing where you didn't really get a say in it. Um, well, tell him to stop texting me. It's weird. <laughs> okay. Had no idea to wife. Okay. Yeah, it puts the dick pics in a whole other context. Completely weird now. Yeah. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then I'm delighted that our show still holds meaning to you after a few weeks away. Uh, there's plenty more episodes. I hope you availed yourselves of them during the little break. Um, so jump onto the deepfort.podbean.com website and, and have a look for something that might interest you or just scroll down in that podcast feed. We're also on Facebook if you're looking for interesting news articles or a way to contact us. We're on Instagram for photos of things. We're on Twitter for notifications of new episodes. Our jingles are on SoundCloud and on Spotify. And you can, of course, send us an email or a comment to deepford at gmail.com. So please, fire away. We're back in it. We're back in the rhythm. And we are eager for answers. How'd you go? Good. It was great. Say yeah. anything nice about me? Oh, no, not... Not you specifically. Okay. Okay. How do you feel about a little bit, a little bit, how, okay. How do you feel about a little bit of wreck engine? Love a little bit. Okay. Of how do you feel? Sorry. Oh, you, <clears throat> how do you, how do you feel about a little bit of wreck engine? A little bit of wreck engine. Welcome to Deep Thought's Recommendation Engine. Uh... Okay. Have you had time to be watching and doing anything in this past month, Michael? You've been you've been traveling, you've been getting vomed on. Are there things that still piqued your interest? Between traveling and getting vomed on, I've somehow managed to do other stuff. Wow. Um, You're just a so busy little beaver. I got I got plenty of wrecks. I got some huge wrecks actually. I got some big wrecks. You wanna kick us off? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Um first 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 cab off the rank is a little show which you will never watch called Better Call Saul, and it just deserves a little bit of a mention here. Breaking Bad, of course, one of the biggest hits of the past decade one of the greatest achievements in st serialized dramatic storytelling on tv huge hit and then they launched this spin-off around saul called better call saul bob odenkirk taking his famed character and and telling a prequel story it was a challenging pitch who would have thought that there was space here for a prequel in this world who would have thought that a spin-off about this character would work but in the end became a highly regarded hugely successful very complex and interesting and ultimately um high achievement in storytelling they just finished their sixth and final season they wrapped it up they they nailed the landing 
And I just wanted to say, if you loved Breaking Bad, but you haven't checked out Better Call Saul yet, do yourself a favor and dive in. It is a really smart, clever, ambitious, satisfying show. Is it the same tone as Breaking Bad? Uh, yes and no. It's the same universe, but where Breaking Bad was very much like drug world kind of meth lab chemistry, you know, Scarface kind of antics. Better Call Saul is often a legal drama. It's often quiet conversations. It's often, um, you know, boardrooms and and then a slow decline in this character who is actually fundamentally a good guy who then becomes bad over time and and you don't want to see it happen. You're kind of rooting against that progression from being a nice guy to being like constantly kicked. And it's like watching a puppy being kicked over and over again and then seeing it become like hurt and sore and a vulnerable. Villain. It's like... Yeah, you're you're rooting against the inevitable that you know is coming, but you're sympathising with the the lead. Absolutely, yeah, and that was the big thing I think in retrospect, in that sort of two um, thousands era anti hero kind of TV movement, the Mad Men's, your your Breaking Bad's, your Sopranos, that kind of stuff. I think the viewers often still looked up to these bad characters. You you kind of you're meant to enjoy Walter White and I think the interesting thing that time and distance has done for those kind of shows is is reinforce how really unpalatable and unpleasant those characters should be and and it recasts some of your um the way you look at those stories and those world by revisiting it through the better call soul lens it's it's very deftly done um yeah it's always nice when a when a spin-off show you know, outdoes itself. Or I would actually al- I would almost argue that I, I think it might be as better than, than Breaking Bad. Yeah. The ending more satisfying. I didn't see the end of Breaking Bad, but I remember people saying, people are The ending of Breaking like, Bad was great. The end of shows. Yeah. What is it about that as someone who actually writes a show? Like at some point you're going to have to write a series or season. What is it? Season? Series, series finale. finale. Yeah. Like, well, what is it that makes, is it just too high pressure or is it just people, if you have like a, a strong following that people are just always going to be disappointed? Like what, how what's, do you What's your question there? Is it about the, the writing how process would, how or would, is it about why is it often seen as not living up to expectations? Why is, why do they, why do these beloved shows endings always seem to be disappointing to their fan base? And how would you, uh, go about counteracting that as a writer if you if and when you do it yourself well to answer the first question i think the reason it's often seen as disappointing is that in reality a viewership of a show is not a uniform block and some people might be watching a show for the mysteries and some people might be watching the show for the action and some people might be watching the show for the characters and some people might be rooting for the hero to um, overcome all odds and some people might be rooting for the villain and some people might think that the main character is a villain and doesn't deserve to get what he wants and and all these kind of things so in reality when you're trying to then wrap up a show the expectations of the audience are myriad you know there's any number of different things they're looking for um 
And then you've got a secondary level of it, which is what do I, the storyteller, think this show is about? What do I, the storyteller, want to end up saying or doing? But that may not be how the show's perceived. You know, Game of Thrones had this big um, famously disliked ending, really, um, by a large number of people, at least, who felt it was unsatisfying. And that was because the show that the storytellers were telling, I think was different to what the audience was receiving. It was, you were looking for different things or the satisfaction or expectations you had weren't met. Um, mm. So it's like a disconnect. Um, it's it's a very tricky problem. Um, yeah, so what would you do as a writer? So as a writer, I guess, ultimately... Because you don't want to just go... You can't please everyone, so you can't try to please everyone. Exactly. So you just have to pick a lane. You have to go, be true to yourself. We're backing ourselves. You have to be true to yourself because I feel like if you try and outthink what it is that the yeah. audience wants, that's like a that's a Pandora's box of problems. Where the moment you start pulling that thread, it's just like an endless torment of what is the audience going to think? What do they want? What do we need to see? It has to come from you in the same way that every other episode of the show came from you. So yeah. it has to make sense for what you're doing. Um, and, and then do you beyond think that's that... that's also part of it, though, because some of these shows that are have, you know, longevity and they go for, you know, seasons and, like, eight-plus seasons or whatever, um, they, because they've done so many episodes, they've also covered a lot of ground and they've explored a lot of ideas. And so it kind of feels like they've come... It, it kind of, when you come to the end of the series it gives you a moment to reflect on where it started. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can be like, well, maybe they jumped the shark or maybe like, holy shit, wait, what? We started from, you know, humble beginnings and now we're, you know, off here killing zombies or whatever. Yeah, it's a classic technique and I think a valid storytelling one. You know, you look at the hero's journey, the Joseph Campbell sort of archetypes or in a more modern framework, the Dan Harmon story circle. It's all about you leave a place, you set off on a quest, you need something, you want something, you fight for it, you lose something, and you return to where you were having changed. And that that rhythm is present in literally thousands of stories across eternity. Mm. So part of that implicitly is returning to where you were having changed. And it's a very natural thing to do in your finales is to contrast where you started with where you ended up because that that feels meaningful it's an interesting point you said when you've if you've done like eight seasons or you know some historical shows or procedurals might do hundreds of episodes so you've probably done everything and and you've possibly had to stagnate your characters a little bit because at a certain point it becomes artificial um and so that sense of um, finality is kind of undercut a little bit by the fact there's been 300 episodes of it. Um, mm. But not yeah, that many shows go that long these days anyway. Um, I'm trying to think of the last show that I, like, watched from start to finish, and it was probably Seinfeld. And, you know, even, like, that's like a that's just, like, you don't need to follow any sort of narrative there, no. really. But even then, people were disappointed by the ending, even though, yeah. you know, Larry David had left the show and stuff. Yeah. No, it's, it's an, I, I think you're probably right. The key takeaways 
and I, as you say, I haven't done it yet, but it's just based on sort of observation of, of what I feel like works implicitly in those kind of shows is a sense of a journey. So knowing that what the characters set out to do way back when, whenever that was, was either achieved or something happened along that um, journey to um, resolve that storyline, a sense of character growth or contrast, and then ultimately just staying true to the story you're trying to tell, um, even if that contrasts with what some of the fans want, because otherwise that way lays madness. <laughs> yeah. It just occurred to me as well that <clears throat> I don't want to tell you how to do your job here, Nick. Uh-huh. And also I'd, I feel like you kind of do. I'm about to. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't watch a lot of shows either, so that's just my my CV. Um, mm-hmm. If you do want to take this advice, mm-hmm. but um, I haven't seen a lot of shows. I know. Ju- I know the term "jumping the shark" comes from Happy Days, where he literally jumped a shark. But I yeah. think Not it would be funny. Episode, though, but yes, it would be funny if in a show maybe GG, aka Good Grief. Where mm-hmm. someone literally jumped a shark, but if it was done like in a really serious way, like it wasn't, ne- it wasn't like out of the blue. Like I that think, unfortunately, Arrested Development already did that because they got Henry Winkler back to to jump over a shark. On and a it was walk. Winkler as well. Of it course. was Winkler again. Yeah. So well, fuck the, me. It's a great idea, but it has been done. Well, fuck. Anyway, I better call Saul. I should have pitched it to uh, Arrested Development. To Winkles. Yeah. Damn. Pinnacle, cool. so if you liked Breaking Bad, please check it out. It's great. You'll like it. And it, if you liked Breaking Bad, the things in it are also in Better Call Saul. No spoilers, but it's worth it. Michael. All right. I got a wreck. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, I'm actually only three quarters of the way through, maybe two thirds. Um, but I've been listening to Jimmy Carr's book. Uh, it's called Before and Laughter. Um, it is completely captivating to me it is like so i saw him talk on you made it weird which is pete holmes's podcast one of my favorite podcasts um and he was talking about he was there to promote the book but it was you know still a podcast and very conversational and he was just talking about you know his uh his beginnings and his transition from working at uh at shell as a marketing executive and then deciding at 25 that he wanted to be a comedian and just talking about that leap that he took, that risk that he took um, and what it meant to him, what he did to, you know, get into that mental headspace. Then he talks about happiness. He talks about his own anxieties um, and he does it with like joke, like his Jimmy Carr is just wickedly funny. Like mm-hmm. to me, I know a lot of people don't like he's him. A, he's an honest to god like classic joke machine. Just like one just the liners, number of one liners, and they're just so fucking funny. And you know, he talks about in this book, he talks about his tax evasion and stuff. It's like it's raw, and it's like good advice, and it's like exactly the the it's the perfect amount of things that I want in life. Like it's it, when I when it comes to like podcasts or books, I want like, and it's probably echoes you know conversations that or relationships that i have with friends like you um it's just like this balance of like real talk and jokes and silliness and that's like all all what all the things that i'm looking for all the time and this is like a 
beautiful example of this. And um, yeah, I'm just like flying through this audiobook. Um, I didn't even buy it. I just created another Audible account to get the free trial <laughs> and just got the credit. So you can do that. You don't even have to pay for it. Jimmy Carr still gets paid. Amazon just gets slugged. Everybody wins. Jeff Everyone Bezos wins. still yeah. going to space. Yeah. So, yeah, before and laughter, highly recommend. You know, uh, I, I I do love um, Jimmy Carr. I find like 8 out of 10 Cats does Countdown to always be just great quality. Um, so good. I do remember immediately after the tax scandal when he was doing classic 8 out of 10 Cats there was that episode where he was on there where he was the news yeah. and fucking Sean Locke coming in looking visibly furious, like looking actively angry at Jimmy Carr for it and delivering just fucking body blows. It is, yeah. it, it is up there on YouTube. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, oh yeah. He, he talks about that in this. Oh, Cause really? I think, I think that was the day of. So he was front page of the Times yeah. when that tax scandal came out. Yeah. And he talks about like I didn't I knew that he joked about it on eight of ten caps and, and seen that clip. But I didn't know the timeline because apparently um like the, the story came out and then on the Monday, David Cameron, who was Prime Minister of the UK at the time, UK, England, um he like slammed Jimmy Carr in a speech. Mm. And so the story got like reinvigorated. Yeah. And so it went from being this, potentially this story that was just going to pass by to now the prime minister of England is fucking going after Jimmy Carr. Yeah. And then he talks about going to the writer's room and everyone's kind of making jokes about it, which made him felt like safe. Made yeah. him feel like okay, this is just like a thing, and then it just picked up over the course of the day. And then he's speaking to his producer, eight out of ten cats, and his producer saying, "There is no way around this. You just have to take it, acknowledge it, and joke about it." And it's yeah, it's fascinating all that stuff. And and he goes through like he's not trying to disassociate himself from it. He's not too trying to um, explain he did take it or reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was tax of tax. It was his accountant as evasion. As as yeah. Tax evasion rather than tax avoidance, which is like the lesser of a crime. And from yeah. what he says, it sounds like it was just like him he talking to his accountant yeah. and his accountant gave him bad advice. So whatever. Yeah. Or dodgy but yeah. advice, yeah. But yeah, if you want if you want a deep and funny read or listen, I really recommend this book. It's, it's, uh, it's fucking awesome. Good call. I'll have to check it out. Um, Nathan Fielder. Oh, baby. The show called The Rehearsal. Have you yeah, heard of it? Dude. Have you seen it? I've seen it. It was going to be mine. It's going okay. to be my rec. Okay. Joint great. rec. Joint rec. The what Rehearsal. Nathan Fielder. So Nathan Fielder, uh, you might have seen him previously in the show he was in on Comedy Central, I think, called Nathan For You, where he went to struggling businesses and offered quite ludicrous solutions to their quite real problems. Um, and it was very dry. He's a very odd person. Um, then he became a little bit more behind the scenes guy. He is one of the producers on how to with John Wilson, Mm. the documentary series with that guy roaming around New York that we've recommended previously, another great show. And now he's back in front of the camera for a show called the rehearsal. The concept being what if you could, and in anticipation of a, stressful or confrontational moment with someone in your life practice before that moment in as close effect simile 
as you could um, hope for in order to ensure a desirable outcome. So maybe it's confessing to your trivia team that you don't actually have a degree. Maybe it's pretending or going through the process of being a parent so you know whether or not you want to have kids. These kind of questions. Um, Nathan Fielder then takes the budget of HBO and recreates with actors and sets the full experience for you so that you can then go through and practice. It is very kind of odd. It's very high concept. It's very dryly comedic. If you don't know Nathan's style, it might be a bit off-putting, but it is a fascinating show that goes into very strange and meta and unique places. Um, Michael, what did you love about it? I... I love all of Nathan Fielder's work. I've actually only seen three episodes of this show because I'm spacing it out because it's my special treat show. Okay. Like I'm only having it when I've got like a nice like Uber Eats dinner in front of me or something like that. Like uh-huh. it's very special. So I've only seen three episodes, but it's very it's very meta. He seems like he's matured. I know there was like some backlash about him, you know, maybe the joke being on the people of them being some like victims did we did you ever see any of that backlash and how did you like receive that there was a lot of backlash actually after the finale or at least discourse maybe not backlash because of the finale because of something in this finale but also even referring back to some stuff about nathan for you wondering whether or not again it was like a uh consensual is not the right word but whether the joke was on them versus the the Nathan character. And look, the um, joke is on them to a degree, but I feel like in this show, at least he's also laughing at himself. He is a hundred percent positioning himself as the butt of some of those jokes. The issue I, th- or the, the, the gray area, I think in a show like that is he is allowing people to show their real selves, which is often unflattering. And yeah. so it's not always necessarily that the butt is on them. I don't think necessarily that they're being, misconstrued or edited or put you know to look like idiots it's more that because of the nature of the the show and the documentary style it it allows people to come out with shit where they feel perhaps they forget that they're on camera or that they feel less self-conscious and that's mm. not always like no one likes to see they're lured into darkest, a false sense of security yeah kind of behaviors come out um, but that's weird because, like, no, no one ever complained when people went on Jerry Springer and made absolute dicks of themselves. Yeah, uh, and there's a or lot pod- of behind the scenes. Or they go on Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, they do. Including Joe Rogan. Including <laughs> Rogan. Um, hey, they, they, I think some of the concerns about that come from the fact that the behind the scenes world of of his productions is... A black hole like we don't know what were individual actors told we won't know how they found the people who they then centered an episode around and so because of that we don't know how where they were of what kind of show they were making or what the context was and i i feel like if that was clearer then there would be less conversations about oh you tricked this person or they didn't know what they were getting into but if you do that if you disclose that kind of stuff then i think you lose some of the the value of the art perhaps in, in the not knowing and the, and the, the spell you fall under when you watch one of his shows. It's yeah. It's yeah. I won't talk about the end, the second half of the season because I think you will prefer to experience it fresh. Um, mm. But the, the final episode was definitely controversial. 
Okay. Oh, yeah. Can't wait for that. Um, yeah, I guess it's like similar to Borat. Like, but Borat, I feel like Borat didn't, even with the new one, didn't really. I think Borat's safer scrutiny. because the character is so heightened. The, the, the insanity of what Borat does. But is... also he's targeting like right wingers and rednecks as well. I feel like that's like, yeah, oh, you can make fun of them. Yeah, but also, again, I think maybe in a similar fieldery kind of way, um, the Borat thing is about creating a safe that a space that feels safe and allowing people to then incriminate themselves, right? And is that entrapment or is that just documentarian style filmmaking, right? Like it's there's an ambiguity there. Yeah, I guess like. Louis Theroux's kind of doing yeah. a similar thing in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, it's very interesting. Um, it's it's sometimes laugh out loud funny. I I I still every now and again just think, oh, it's Door City in here. Like there are some lines which are just like stuck in my head. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's often very provocative and meta and trippy and and self referential. And have you have you seen the episode which is about the fielder method yet? Or is that four? Uh, I think we went into the film of the method in three. Okay, right. Like the acting class he sets up. Yes, I love that. That was the last one I watched. Yeah. Yes, that was awesome. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's starting to get meta and self-referential. Yeah, cool. It's, that's, it's so good that shows can fill the space or feel that they have the freedom to do that kind of stuff. Like it's a risk to take as a show and it's a risk to back it as a production company. Yeah, and it was renewed, renewed for a second season. Is it really? Yeah. It feels like his um, piece de resistance or whatever. Yeah. Like, it feels like his final thing, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see what comes. Yeah. Um, I had another couple of shows, but I'm not going to do them. I'm I'm not going to give you shows because we've done three shows. Okay. I'm just going to give my rec is going to be a a life hack. I mean, you did a book, but yeah. Oh, yeah, I did a book because I'm fucking smart. But I didn't listen to the. I didn't read the book. Um, using Q-tips as earwax removers, guys. It's the best thing. It's the best thing you can do to remove earwax from your ears. Now, a lot of people Mike will was tell a you. Is not a doctor, and this is not no, medical advice. A lot of people will tell you that it's using idea. Q-tips is an ancient method no. invented by the Egyptians, the and Egyptians? is no longer. A- Egyptians, <laughs> missed it, missed it. Such a good opportunity. Um, but uh, and, and people will say that it's an it's an ancient method and that you you shouldn't use that and and, and some bullshit like it drives the wax further into your brain or something. Does. Yep. First of all, even if it does that, you first, first of all, even if it does that, your brain is like grey. And wouldn't it be nice to have like an orangey, speckly kind of brain, Weird. like a giraffe? Weird thing. Maybe yep. it wouldn't. Maybe it would. Maybe it wouldn't. But also, what other devices do you have to remove wax from your ears? Like nothing. Any, any I've tried. I've sprays. tried. Don't don't try the sprays. It's gross. It's weird. What about one of the like I've, warm water squeegees? No, who wants to put warm water? I don't want anything going in my ears other than a Q-tip. Your question was, what other any... way I'd say for cleaning wax? Nick, this is kind of rhetorical rant that I'm going on right now. 
Okay. And I prefer you to shut up. Sorry. Um, I don't want any liquids going into my uh, brain. Or um, what's what's um, maybe I have liquids in my brain already. <laughs> In my earlobes. In my earlobes? Not the in my earlobes. Ear skull thing. Sorry, Whatever. I'm not allowed to talk, so I could get you out of this hole, but I've been asked not to. <laughs> the opening where the where the, the stuff goes in the ears but uh-huh. then lives in the skull. That part. I don't want any liquids going in there. The best thing you can do, you know what they should invent, Nick? And you uh-huh. can talk now. Is a plunge if it's if it's backing me up. Is like a tiny little plunger for the ears. Okay. That just gets like, like waxed. A toilet out. plunger. Yeah, and it just like goes and you just you just pump it a few times and then all this wax comes out. That uh-huh. now that would be better than a Q-tip, but for now that doesn't exist. We've just got the Q-tip, so stick a Q-tip and also they're cheap. Stick a Q-tip in the ear, <clears throat> twirl it around a little bit. Bob's your uncle. Also, maybe use a couple of, um, maybe use a couple of Q-tips if you've got a lot of wax or you've been wearing your headphones a lot. Um, I know it can it can build up if you do wear your headphones a lot and it creates more wax for some reason. Does anyone know what wax is? No. Maybe bees do. <laughs> Maybe bees scientists. know what wax is. No. Scientists, doctors. Scientists and bees know what wax is, know what the purpose of wax is. But for us civilians, we, we aren't to know. So stick a Q-tip in there, pull it out, it's just made of plastic, so you're only hurting the environment if you use more than one Q-tip. Uh-huh. Stick another one back in there, pull it out, rinse and repeat. I think and the word you were looking for is the ear canal. And much like canal. the Suez Canal, um, it was blocked by the ever-given Ancient ship of the... Egyptians. The... <laughs> yeah. There's going to be somewhere near blo- Egypt. <laughs> it was blocked... <laughs> By the Egyptians, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Guru Matata. Oh.